Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Emotional Eating Recovery Podcast. This is Addie, your licensed clinical social worker and partner on this journey to emotional wellness. As usual, we will be looking at this topic from a faith-based and clinical evidence-based approach. Now, for this episode and for probably another two, we're going to look at relationships and stress. As you know, uh, our human relationships can bring on stress for various rela- uh, reasons. Uh, and even our relationship with God uh, can be stressful. Um, not that that's what he's intending, but sometimes, you know, we need to wait. Sometimes uh, we don't understand why he allows certain things to happen. Uh, sometimes we we go through times of testing in our faith. Um, and sometimes we just don't know whose voice we're listening to. And, you know, we're going off on a different path on, on our own because we think we just have a better plan like Eve did. And it just, you know, makes our situation worse. So since we can experience a lot of emotional distress uh, in our interpersonal relationships, again, whether it be our human relationships or our spiritual relationship with God, it can certainly lead to times where we turn to food to self-soothe, distract, escape. And so that's why we really need to um, understand that the same skills that we will learn and need to, to use with others, hum, other human relationships, but we can also do that with God. And we'll see a great example of this when we look at the, um, the life of Hannah in First Samuel chapter 1. So if you can pull up that particular chapter and take a, um, a quick read through it. Um, I'm only going to focus on a few scriptures, but ultimately these next few episodes are going to be designed to, you know, help us to be confident with asking for what we need from others that are important in our lives, you know, setting healthy boundaries, um, considering the needs of others because the world doesn't revolve around us and, um, and really praying for wisdom to know which are the relationships that we need to preserve and which ones we need to be really wise um, about. So when we read the, um, the book of First Samuel chapter 1, we're looking at Hannah. The four main things we're going to look at is she. The, what she does is that she asks for what she wants. That's number one. Number two, we need to just stay focused and not be distracted about what it is that we would like to to see happen because sometimes we don't we won't always get the type of responses right or the t- in the time frame that we want but really be mindful and sticking to our um purpose is important number 3 we need to be willing to negotiate or be flexible because as i said the world doesn't revolve around us sometimes our needs might be conflicting with the needs of others. And if this is a relationship that's worth preserving, then it's certainly worth making negotiations. And last but not least, we sometimes just have to wait. And that's not easy to do, especially if you're in distress, right? But again, if it's worth... uh, if the relationship is worth it, it's got to be something we're going to do. And I believe Hannah example, uh, exa- uh, Hannah's example is really um, something for us to really emulate. And so why don't we go straight to that in 
as I said, First Samuel uh, chapter 1. And I'm going to start in... Well, let me just give a quick backdrop. So Hannah is married to Elkanah. And Elkanah also has another wife, Peninnah. Peninnah is able to have children. Hannah isn't. So Hannah is infertile. This is bring on a lot of distress for her. Uh, she's being teased uh, a lot and bullied a lot uh, by Peninnah. Um, she's probably feeling less than because she's unable to have children. And unfortunately, her husband, as much as he'd love to help out, <laughs> you know, the Bible says in verse uh, 6, it says, because the Lord had closed, it says, you know, the, the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. So this wasn't something Elkanah had any control over any more than Hannah did, right? And unfortunately, uh, Elkanah's other wife, um, you know, it says, you know, kept provoking Hannah in order to irritate her. So she really wanted, you know, of course, there was um, some jealousy there because Hannah was more favored as a wife uh, by Elkanah and uh, Peninnah. I'm sure she was, that's distressing for her, right? That's, you know, to see that your husband uh, doesn't love you and here you're having all these children. So that's a, but that's a different story. She doesn't handle her interpersonal relationships so well, so I'm not going to focus on on Penina. Um, but let's continue with verse 7. So Penina's ear, uh, provoking of Hannah, it, just, it says that, you know, this went on year after year. And when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And so, although, you know, he's trying, uh, Elkanah is trying to be as supportive as possible. This is a situation I'm sure he's feeling pretty hopeless uh, in. But again, we see Hannah is at the point where she's so in such distress that she doesn't even want to eat. But what, when we go down to verse uh, 10, we see that she didn't just, you know, cry and feel sorry for herself. It says in verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. So she felt safe to go to God with her grief. This was this was the only person that really could help her, right? This was the person that could help solve the problem, right? And we talked a lot about that. And she went and she wept, she wept, she, she wept bitterly to God. In verse 11, it says, and she, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. What's happening here is there's some negotiating that Hannah is doing, right? She's maintained her relationship with God, right? Because it's you know this is issue with her infertility has been year after year, so she's kept her, um, she's kept going to God in prayer. And here she's being very specific. She's saying, not only please remember me, I'm, I'm really struggling here. But she's being specific by saying she wants a son. And then she's saying, look, if you 
give me this son. If you bless me here, then you know what? I'm going to make sure that his life is dedicated right back to you. I'm going to make sure there's no razor that's ever going to be used on his head. So although Hannah really isn't in a position to really be negotiating with God, because he's the one that has the first, the middle, and the last say, we see that God is willing to negotiate and be flexible with us because she, he does uh, go on and answer her prayer. And God was the one, as we saw earlier, who had closed her womb. So he, he opened up her womb, right? He allowed her ultimately to have children. And as we know, you know, she would give birth to Samuel and he would become a great man of God. But here we see Hannah using some great negotiating skills and and it's pretty bold because she's going to she's going to someone that she really has no place to even negotiate with but this is still a great example for us that again if it's a relationship that's worth preserving it's not just going to be all about us she's saying look this is what i can give back this is how i can you know this is what i i have available and this is what i need from you i i i need a son i would love to have a son she didn't just say, I want to have a child. I just want to have any. She just, she was pretty clear that she wanted to have a son. Now we see in verse 12, uh, it says, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. So, you know, she could have gotten offended or, you know, distracted from the reason why she even went to pray. As we talked about uh, earlier, how important that, you know, to, to stick to what it is we would like to accomplish. Sometimes, We'll be distracted by the responses. Um, we can get um, distracted by the responses of others. Here it's not God, it's, it's uh, Eli the priest. Sometimes there might be an insensitive comment that's made or someone invalidates the needs that you know, we're asking to be fulfilled or it's, you know, it's just disregarded and, uh, or you know, you're lucky maybe if they even pay attention. And that can be hurtful, but... That doesn't mean that we, we just quit and give up, right? We see that Hannah went year after year. She stuck through it. She um, knew that this was a relationship with God was worth holding on to. And, uh, and also, as she uh, came in contact with this, a bit of an insensitive comment from Eli, uh, she doesn't let that um, create you know discontent and, and respond in any negative way. Uh, to him, but she she's very vulnerable. She says, "I was pouring out my soul to the Lord," and you know she lets them know I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. So sometimes we'll get insensitive comments from others when we're asking for what our needs are, even if it's not from the the same person we're reaching out to, and we sometimes need to be able to keep our composure, right? <laughs> as Eli would be the one that would end up raising her ultimate son. So had she gone off on him, this would have damaged another relationship, right? So, uh, but as I said, later on, God does bless uh, Hannah. She's able to have uh, Samuel. And then, 
you know, he blesses her with, with other children. So, so to wrap, to wrap it up, the, the main thing is first with any situation, whether it be in a human relationship or with a relationship with God, we want to start by being clear about what we see the problem as from our perspective. It might not be a reality, but what do we see the problem as from our perspective? And, uh, and here for Hannah, it's her infertility, right? It's causing her a lot of distress. So she's bring, she, she does what? Number one, she asks for what she wants. She's very specific in her prayer that she wants a son, right? Number two, she's mindful. She doesn't uh, about what it is and she stays focused on what it is that she, w- um, she wants to get accomplished despite, you know, uh, what we could possibly conceive as a negative uh, response from, from Eli the priest who thinks she's drunk. Um, sometimes we will get uh, responses sarcastic or dismissive either from the person that we're asking uh, for needs to be met or maybe those that are bystanders or other family members, uh, friends, etc. And we need to, to know this is important to us and to just stick to, stick to what it is that we're asking for and not get sidetracked. Number three, we see... Uh, Hannah negotiating and being willing to be flexible. She's she's not in she's not being flexible with wanting a son. She's saying this is you know I want a son, so she's very specific. But she's saying, look, I'll make sure he's his life is de- basically dedicated right back to you, and I'm gonna make sure his hair is never cut, no razor will ever touch his head. So she uh, is willing to bargain and negotiate with God, and as I mentioned before, you know. This was a her infertility was a situation that went on year after year, but she maintained her relationship with God because she knew that that was um, important to her to preserve, uh, regardless of whether the answer was going to be no. And last but not least, you know she was willing to wait. It, this did not happen, uh, you know, with one prayer. It took uh, we don't know how many years, but it took some time before God would eventually. Uh, allow her to to bear children and in our relationships sometimes we have to wait as well others are not always going to be at the same pace that we are with what it is that we need from them maybe as a result of their own issues their own trauma history and and also we just have to trust that God's timing is always best it's always best and and so if we can just hold on wait pray about the situation, uh, you know, God will make it clear whether this is uh, the, maybe what we're asking for, maybe needs a little bit more negotiation, maybe it needs to change completely, our perspective might need to change. But there's so much that can come from just taking the, the problem itself first and foremost to God. And that's what we see in Hannah's uh, great example here. And so for, you know, from an example for myself, I know uh, one of the areas that I had to grow in in my uh, interpersonal skills was coming out of a uh, not just being avoidant. You know, I would just be talking in my head nonstop what I could have said, I should have said, but I wasn't sure and confident about how to ask for what I what I um, wanted or needed. And uh, and to stick 
to stick with that, to be willing to negotiate and, and to be willing to wait. Those are things that I had to, um, to learn and, and, and to really put into practice. And it's not easy, especially when you're feeling uh, a lot of distress, especially if there's sometimes you struggle with trust issues with other people. It doesn't matter even if you don't trust the person, even if you don't respect the person, you can still ask for what it is that, that, that you need. And even if they're not willing to respect your needs and respond in a respectful way, you're still honoring yourself by doing what you need to do. And from their response, you'll know whether, you know, you need to um, fo- focus your efforts elsewhere. But that should never be a reason that we don't um, speak up for for ourselves because it's not there's nothing wrong with us having needs and um, and being able to ask for others to provide it and to respect it. Okay. So for today's homework, what is your particular communication style? I, you know, I talked about mine being. Um, avoidant. Like I said, I would just be talking to myself because I would just be petrified with uh, a lot of uh, assumptions about, you know, the responses that I would get. And so I would not be the type that would really speak up. And so I had to actually learn how to do that and to put it into practice, even in the smallest things. That was great ways to help build my confidence. So what is your particular communication style? Are you avoidant? Are you the type that may come out as a bully, be perceived as a bully because maybe your your tone of voice? Um, are you prone to sometimes be manipulative because you're not expecting that you, you know asking for your needs is going to be honored? Do you try to um, again, you know, be intimidating in any way or or you know? If the answer is no, how how do you respond? What is your particular communication style, and how is it possible possibly uh, contributed to any stress that you've been dealing with? So please feel free to, you know, send me a message or an email and let me know what your particular communication style is, how it's affected your relationships, what are the things that you need to work on that would actually help to manage your emotions. Okay, so that'll wrap it up for today's episode. Have a great day and I will see everyone in one week. Bye.